Welcome to the Self Love Podcast, the show that helps crack open your heart and inspire a deeper regard for your own well-being and happiness. Proudly brought to you by 28 Essentials, here's your host, the gorgeous Kim Morrison. Hey, Miss Kim. Hey, you. God, here we are at last. I know, technology beat us a few times, but I'm excited that we're here because I really wanted to have a chat to you um, about you and some of your stuff that you do in the world because it's just so damn cool. And um, some people may not know who the amazing Kim Morrison is. So can I just intro, do my version of a bit of an intro on you first? Go on. Um, I heard about you originally when I was in New Zealand about 20 years ago and my gorgeous friend Faye Blomquist, who we both know, aromatherapist, she was selling your book like chocolate for women. And I went, who's this girl? And I was like, wow. And I was like, wow, for years. And then eventually we crossed past at an aromatherapy conference. It was like, oh, wow, she's even cooler in real life. Um, so I was a fan of yours before I met you kind of thing. But you've got an amazing backstory. And you're like so many of us prackies, you, you've trained in every modality. I love that you're not just the physical ones, but the emotional and spiritual healing ones as well. So I love so much about, you know, for that. But I also love that one of your claims to fame is that you were the first female to run sub 100 miles, sub 24 hours. Like, that's crazy cool. And Cliffy Young, the Cliffy Shuffle, was one of your mentors. I want to talk into a bit in the, about that, in, you know, in a sec. But what I, I'd love people to get is that you were just the most beautiful heart on legs, but you're also a ball breaker. You don't take people's bullshit. I love that you, you call people on their stuff, but you do it with such heart. It's, it's, it's divine. So I don't know how I, anyway, I fucking love you. That's, that's a story. That's true. And I'm so excited I get to talk to you today. So thank you and welcome. Oh, well, look, thank you. And same, same. I, everything you just said is a reflection right back on my thoughts and feelings around you. And, you know, I think it's such a beautiful thing that the, the love that we have for each other came through a mutual love of working with plants and understanding their incredible healing ability and what they can do on a mental, emotional and physical level and so on spiritual as well. So I don't know. I feel very privileged to be in the same space as you. I've also followed you from afar and, yeah, I really freaking dig you too. So it's nice to be here. Well, let's play. Yeah, you, so we are both aromatherapists and, you know, you're, uh, you're 28. You play in the aromatherapy world very much, but you've evolved so much nowadays into um, your self-love book and the art of self-love and, and your self-love podcast so we, we'll go there um we can start there why don't we start there and then we'll talk about mindset and stuff I really want to talk with that with you about that so tell me what are you doing right now how did you evolve from oils to self-love although the chocolate book was very much like a self-love book too yeah, it's a funny old thing, isn't it? When you start looking back on what you've done and it's kind of nice to go through the process because it's not often we, we actually reflect on where we've come from and what we've done. But my initial introduction to essential oils was back in the 80s with the amazing Judith White and Karen Downs where they started up in essence. And for many of us, that seemed to be the, the platform of bringing Robert Tisserand with Anthony Robbins into one showcase. And I think they did it really, really well. And I remember sitting there thinking, I want what they 
they've got. Um, and so I was drawn to their workshops and then ended up studying and becoming an aromatherapist in 1991. Graduated mm. on the 14th of February, which I always think is cute because it was Valentine's Day. And just always think that, you know, there's this, I have a real love of oils. But I think the girls really taught me. Um, I was chosen as one of their presenters. And so they taught me a lot from a, a foundation stage, the, the Tony Robbins approach to life, yeah. the um, understanding the science with people like Tizerand and also Salvatore and just really getting to have an appreciation of what this incredible modality was about. I mean, back then people took the piss out of us, you know, the smelly therapy, you know, what is it? But I have to say to you. It wasn't mainstream in those days, was it, when we started? And I do recall Lady Diana saying something about essential oils in the late 80s. And I thought, there you go, there you go, she's saying it. So, but one of the things that I had to do during that process of getting up my log hours for my sports therapy, and I was using oils and all sorts of things, I was experimenting with them with different athletes from football through to ballet, cycling through to running is I thought the quickest way to get my hours up was to go to an ultra marathon event. You know, these people, these crazy people that run for 24 hours, 48 hours or six days. And so I turned up at this race and I was assigned to a guy called Cliff Young. Oh, you actually put to Cliffy. Yeah. So I was signed up to Cliffy. He apparently liked the blondes. So, um, so here was the 68 year old potato farmer shuffling around a 400 meter track. And I found him very interesting. And I'd watched the footage of him finishing the Sydney to Melbourne race where he beat every Still other team. Remember that. Same. And one of the things that he said on there, or he might have said it afterwards, or it was just around that time. I heard him say, you know, someone asked him, Cliffy, why didn't you stop and and stay in hotels? And he looked up at the, at the camera and went, oh, I actually didn't realise I could. And I in that remember moment, that. I remember. And in that moment I remember thinking, imagine if we didn't know yeah. what we didn't know. Like imagine if we did things because we didn't know anything else other than to just do it. Yeah. And that probably sparked my curiosity around mindset. And so while I was looking after him in this race, he did come up to me. He came into what we call the pit stop tent and I was massaging him, getting him food and whatnot. And he goes, oh, what do you think of, of ultras? And I said, and I was too cold, too tired and too pissed off about being there to even be polite. And I said, I think it's the most stupid thing in the universe. Why would anyone run around, want to run around a 400 meter track for 24 hours? I, I just think it's stupid. And he just looked up at me and he goes, yeah, well, rather than think like that, why don't you put your name down and run one and then you'll find out. And I thought, yeah, good idea. I'd much rather run one than watch one. <laughs> don't ask. So I went over to the pit stop, uh, sorry, over to the, the lap scoring tent and I said, when's the next race? And they said it was in a couple of months and it was a 12-hour race down in Coburg or Colac. I can't remember now. But anyway, so I signed up. I'd never uh, run beyond 10Ks. I was going to say, were you a runner? No, I was a netballer. I, I wanted, oh, to play, love it. wanted to play netball for New Zealand. And the longest run I'd ever been on was 10Ks. But, you know, oh. I was 20, 21. I didn't know what I didn't know. I it ran 12 hours. It looked easy. It looked easy watching these guys run around a water meter track. They weren't running fast. It just looked easy to me. Yeah. So anyway, I, you know, line up there, never ran past 10Ks in my life. And there I am at the beginning of this race. Now, Cliffy had already recovered from this previous race. And he was also in this 12 hour race as a warm up to the Victorian Championships. And he came up to me and he said, Look, I've only got one piece of advice for you it's 90% mental and 10% physical. And I went, Yeah, 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 got it. <laughs> and so uh, I didn't even know oh, where you mean. Yeah. I just ran from bloody Sydney to Melbourne. <laughs> So, exactly. 
So anyway, I headed off. I had my oils, had my things, didn't realise why people had put plasters on nipples, why they had different size shoes and all this sort of thing. And it wasn't till four hours into the race I'd gone through the marathon, took my top off because it was so bloody cold down there, but I took my top off and I had blood. And then I realised how sore my chest was, that the chafing, obviously he didn't have the right bra on. Oh, such a novice, such a novice. Also didn't have bigger shoes, so all my toenails started, you know, really, oh, God, it was so sore. Anyway, I quit that race so many times. I wanted to quit so many times. And Cliffy just kept coming into the pit stop tent, tapping my hair, his head and tapping his heart like, you know, it's, it's all in the mind. And then I just sort of, I kept whinging, kept complaining, and he just kept saying, every whinge you make, put another couple of steps into it. So it was like, yeah, rather than sit still, at least keep moving uh-huh. forward. And then the guy that was coaching me kind of turned around and said, well, do you want DNF next to your name, which is did not finish. And I guess that was a real catapult for me because I hate not finishing something. Mm-hmm. If you're going to do it, do it well. And if you're not going to do it well, stop complaining. So I took a bit of my own advice, took a can of harden up and then just started jogging and walking and jogging and walking. And then eventually as the last couple of hours of that race was coming up, I found this energy I didn't realize I had. And anyway, the last lap as they announced the last, the gong's about to go off for the 12 hours, someone follows you with a sandbag, they put it down and then they measure that last lap. Anyway, it turns out I won that race. So I won it by running 95.4 Ks. And as they gave me my trophy, I hobbled up to get my trophy and I was kind of- You won the whole 12-hour race. Yeah, so that was kind of cool. And as they gave me my trophy, they said to me, you've won a place to represent Victoria in the 24-hour championships. And everyone's clapping and cheering. And all I could think was, you're kidding. I got to do that all over again and twice as long. So, but I guess I'm not someone to not take a challenge. And so for the next few months, I trained with Cliffy and a lot of us were training. I was living in Melbourne, trained up in the Dandenongs. I just, I don't know, I fell in love with running. I really started to like it. I really enjoyed it. I was still studying at the time. And as I mentioned, Judith and Karen, we were, um, I was studying with them, doing some some programs with them as well. And anyway, here I am at this 24-hour race. And this time I had plasters. I had more shoes. More covers. I felt like I was better prepared mentally, you know, got through 12. But, you know, about four or five hours into the race, this voice appeared in my head and it was, what the hell are you doing? There's 20 hours to go. You've never stayed awake for 24 hours, let alone run for 24 hours. This is stupid. And and this voice just wouldn't leave me. And then I'd wanted to quit and I went into the pit stop tent and I was thinking, I, I can't, I don't think I can do it. All the pain came back. People that have given birth might understand this, but the minute you're back in labour again, it's like, shit, here I am again. But you kind of also take what you've learned and you should grow from it. But I kept thinking, I don't know what to do here. Anyway, had my team, had a logistics person, had a coach, had Cliffy, and had this girl that was kind of like my champion. And, you know, she kept calling me Pookie. She was so cute. She, but she called me Pookie. Pookie was just kind of this nickname. But I can tell you after 12 hours being called Pookie, it started to feel like Chinese tap torture. And I remember getting more and more pissed off. And every time I came around the track, I'd think she's going to call me Pookie. She's going to call me Pookie. And sure enough, I'd come out and she'd go, well done, Pookie. And Can anyway, I wanted to kill Pookie. her. Yep, I wanted to kill her. So I went into the pit stop tent and I wanted to quit. I just thought, that's it. I can't do this. And Cliffy comes in and said, what's wrong? And I said, she keeps calling me Pookie. I just I can't deal with it. I'm done. I can't do it. He goes, well, instead of getting pissed off about it, why don't you just get out on the track and put one foot in front of the other? Every time you get angry, use it out on the track. 
And I guess looking back, everything he had to say was so simple, but it was Mm. so profound. So I got back out on the track and I'd whinge my way through it. And then we had Walkmans in those days. Thank you. So I had a Walkman (laughs) and the only cassette I had was Mm. Talking Heads and the album was Stop Making Sense. Nice. And so that track, I played it. So that that helped me block out the noise. Mm. And I listened to that. I can't tell you how many times. I I just about know every word of every song. But there's songs on there like I'm on the road to nowhere and Psycho Killer. And anyway, it just cracks me up because whenever I hear those songs, I'm transported back to this this race. But anyway, I used that for quite some time. And then after a while, when we're in the middle of the night, it's called the graveyard shift from midnight to 6 a.m., where most of the team, everybody's tired and it's cold or you're exhausted and it's tough. It's called that for a reason. And, you know, again, I wanted to quit. And then one of the girls, I'd asked for a cup of tea. I wanted tea. I just felt like a cup of tea. And she bought me a pumpkin soup that had gone cold by the time I got it. Now that threw me. It just threw me. And that was another reason to quit. Now I know listening to this, anyone listening or watching is going to think, You're pathetic. But I can tell you the way the mind plays, that's like the biggest thing on the planet. It just feels so big in that moment. And you're tired. And remember, when you're tired, we get more emotional. When we're emotional, we get vulnerable and our intellect goes out the window. Mm. And so anyway, I kind of got through that moment. And then as the sun was coming up, I must admit, this was a bit of a a lift for me because I saw the sun rising and and then Judith White arrived and I was in the pit stop tent again and she came in and she did this compress of lemongrass, rose, black pepper, lime. And I just... I just remember these aromas. And as she was doing this compress and spritzing me, I remember her in my ear saying, you know, you've got this. You can do this. You want to finish this. You want to be strong. Use the power of this to get you out there. And I don't know, it just kind of inspired me to get up. And I also looked around and there was all these people that were coming to watch us finish. And I knew a number of the faces and all of a sudden it wasn't about me anymore. Mm. And I think that was a real aha for me that, Sometimes we do the things we do in honour of humanity, for humanity Mm. and for others. And I realised all these people had given up their time to be there for me. So now I needed to show them that I could finish this race. And the best news I had was Melissa came up to me and she said, you're 2.2 kilometres in front of the Victorian Championship champion, um, Sandra Kerr. She was twice my age. She was 2Ks, but she was gaining on me. And we had a couple of hours to go. Look, that was all I needed. And apparently I ran the last two hours of that race quicker than I ran the first two hours. So where did that come from? I got no idea. How did I do it? I don't know. But it's the same thing as watching a mother pull a car off a child. You find when we get thrown into a real physical, emotional place, this is why I think challenging ourselves is one of the best mental breakthrough things you could ever do. Yeah. Being out on the water, you know, you don't know what the what nature's going to throw at you for a wave. You don't know how you're going to catch it. You don't know. I've not surfed, by the way, but I look at the analogy in the same way that mm. you don't know what's coming at you, but you don't know what's in you. Yeah. How can you meet challenge with opportunity? And how do we do that in our best way possible? And I don't know, I just showed up. Now, I did at one point also in that race just before the sun coming up, I actually got weighed by the doctor. I'd lost nearly seven kilos in that race and he had actually wanted to pull me out because I was just, I wasn't I wasn't doing, I, I could have really hurt myself. And yeah. isn't that interesting? Now someone's telling me, 
right can, near the end. Yeah. And I, and I need to pull out mm. that I all of a sudden found a voice in there that showed up for the first time going, you can't tell me what to do. Yeah. And so that combined with the oils, combined with the words, combined with the not wanting DNF, combined with I could win this, I don't know. I, and I don't even know if I cared about winning anymore. It, I really, truly went. The win, I think, was the spur, but it was the I, I, I needed to finish for everyone else that was there. And once again, the gong, you know, goes off and they follow you with a sandbag and they measure it. And we all went in. The third place getter was announced. The second place getter was Sandra Kerr. And then they announced me as the winner. And as they handed me my trophy, they said I'd set a world record for being the youngest female to run 100 miles in less than 24 hours. I ran 168.5 Ks. I'd spent about four and a half hours off the track, whinging, complaining. Why well, pussy um, gets whinging at you? Oh, look, I love that too. Well, at the same time, she's whinging, I'm, I was whinging, you know, but I thought, geez, what could I have done? if I'd stayed on the track and I hadn't yeah. quit for four and all, like imagine what I could have achieved. So as they gave me that trophy, they said, you've won a place to represent Australia at the World Indoor 24-Hour Championships in London. And I was blown away. I had a dream as a young girl to play netball for New Zealand. That I got to Auckland to state level, but I never got to New Zealand level. And now all of a sudden I had an opp opportunity to run for Australia. Wow. And I just was so excited. So I took it and... I ended up running in England for Australia um, at Milton Keynes. I set eight Australian indoor records. Um, sadly, though, halfway through the race, many of the athletes ended up quitting and pulling out, and I was told I had to pull out because we're on a marble floor. The organisers tried to make it in interesting by holding it at the Milton Keynes Shopping Centre, but it was a marble floor, and it really did hurt a lot of us. So Cliffy was in that race, okay. and he turned around to me and he said, you know what? Um, we're not going to not finish this race, you know, doing our best, but why don't we run the last, why don't we walk the last 12 hours and do it for world peace? Oh, and, and so him and I, I, I got, I know. So I got to walk 12 hours with Cliffy in the middle of a shopping center talking about life. And oh, yeah, I think that was priceless. the greatest gift I've ever been given. And to this day, he's still one of my greatest mentors. But that 90% mental, 10% physical really was the game changer for me and chasing after what is this stuff about our mindset and how do we go after it? So I did things like the forum. I did. I went on and, and studied a lot around um, psychology, you know, like courses around counselling, yeah. how we do things, what makes us better. I got really interested more in Tony Robbins. I got interested in people like, obviously, Wayne Dyer, Deepak, um, all of the Hay House authors really started to inspire me. I started watching documentaries and just got really fascinated in humanness and then went on and did my NLP, my master's. I'm a hypnotherapist as well. And yeah. combining that with all the oils and the power of using smell and mindset hypnosis um, and then, you know, the activation of taking action and being in a place of proactive, being active in life, participating in life, I guess is what's got me through all the things that I do. And um, when I had my, you know, second child, first child, no, it was the second child. I just, I was still feeding him. Um, I was rung in New Zealand by a leading magazine if I'd write an article on the powers of aromatherapy. And I said, sure. So I started writing this article only to realize that I felt it was more than an article. There was a book here. So I rang my girlfriend and said, hey, I reckon we should write a book on oils. And she said, sure, as all good friends do. 
So yes. we, we decided we we're going to write this book on aromatherapy and we both had two young kids. We were going to write it for a busy woman, you know, how to look after yourself, how to be the best mm. that you can be, but the power of oils. But, you know, the, the truth be, the first publishers we put it to, they, they turned it down. I was horrified. I was shocked. I couldn't believe they didn't want it. Mm. But I linked arms with Fleur and I said, you know what? Harry Potter's author got turned down nine times before she yeah. was accepted. Great. We got it. We got eight to go. So we tweaked our proposal. We took it to the next publishers and they signed us on the spot and paid us three grand. I couldn't believe it. And we hadn't, well we hadn't written a book. We hadn't written a word. <laughs> and um, so anyway, we went away and we started writing it. But there's another story even in that where we went off tangent. We tried to write it for every, you know. Anyway, 12 weeks later, we handed in the, the manuscript and they called us in and said, this isn't what you said you were going to write. So then we had to rewrite it. And then we got on course and stayed in our lane and wrote what it is that we were passionate about. And then we photographed everybody. You know, the photographer wanted Marie Claire models. Here we were breastfeeding mums in our 30s going, you know, that's not going to work. We want real people. And we won that debate. So we had our friends, my grandma's in the book, my mm -hmm. sister, sister-in-law, all our family, all women, and um, just so proud of the women that were photographed for that book. We were told we wouldn't sell more than one or 2,000 copies, but we went on and we had a reprint three times. We sold 8,000 copies in New Zealand. It became a bestseller there. It's gone into a number of different countries. And then we launched it in places like South Africa. And then our publishers said, bring out another book. So the next book was like, that was like Chocolate for Women. The next one was like An Apple a Day, our love of, you know, the inside and outside story and the mindset. Third book was about face, where we combined that with our love of a company in New Zealand called Living Nature, which was a beautiful skincare company. Mm -hmm. So we wrote that. And then we moved to Australia and that's when we decided to relaunch like mm -hmm. Chocolate for Women and combine all three books. And we self-published this one. And we did a beautiful job of that. And then that led me where I hadn't written a book for a long time. I thought my marriage was over at one point, went through many tough challenges with launching my business. And then I thought I was going to have to close the doors. Look, it was just huge. When I launched 28 Essentials, you know, it was an aromatherapy company. I thought my goal was to be the largest aromatherapy company in the Southern Hemisphere. Mm -hmm. That was my goal. And my business plan was all pivoting on that. No one told me about doTERRA. No one talked to me about, you know, the powers of young living and all of those companies. <laughs> and so very naively, I kind of thought, oh, you know, uh, wow. Um, but then I, again, was called to go back to my core, my values. And that's when I realized my mission wasn't to be the largest aromatherapy company. It was to help one woman at a time mm. realize her own innate healing power to govern and look after her body and her family's bodies just by being her, using her own wisdom and to tap back into that. And so that's why I do what I do. Mm. And I guess the art of self-love was born out of my beautiful son. He got kicked out of school. He was going through really tough times. My daughter had broken her back and she was struggling with her back with him when she was wanting to be a top dancer and travel the world being a ballerina and a and a professional dancer. And I looked at how, you know, how do you keep getting through tough times? My marriage, as I said, had been on the rocks. My husband had lost himself in a world of depression, alcohol, and drugs. Mm. He allows me to tell this story uh, because he'd lost his sister to suicide. And, 
you know, we can, there's many reasons why we do what we do. But yeah. as my counselor said to me, a beautiful 91 year old French psychotherapist and, and spiritualist said, you know, there's many reasons, my love, she was French, many reasons, but no excuse. And, and that really got me into then researching. Why do we go through tough times? Why do we have to, why is life challenging for so many people and all the time and it's at us and it could be little taps, can be big whacks, yeah. or as I like to say, it can be bloody big Macs, big Mac yeah. trucks can wipe us off our, off our feet. And so that's where I wrote the six-step process to falling in love with ourselves and staying true to ourselves and loving ourselves, warts and all, and that's when the art of self-love was born. So cool. I was actually just talking to a girlfriend when we got out of surfing this morning um, about how some days, like, I, I just wake up and I think, come on, universe, give me one day without a, a little whack. Or <laughs> It whacked me in the surf this morning. I got cocky and, and then face planted and I went, got that. Thanks, universe. All good. <laughs> but it's like, some days, come on, give me a break. Come on. <laughs> literally give me the break we're not meant to yeah we're not meant to that's all the part of that we're put in these situations how we grow but I love that we're in control we can't control everyone else or anything the same as there's a lot of things that are stressing people out at the moment in this world but we're in control of how we respond to stuff and that's why I wanted to ask you about that 90% mental of your experience with Cliff Mm. like that's what we can control you I know, think you're right. I think ourselves physically and emotionally and, and, the, and then what we get out of life. Exactly. And I think what you're saying there too is it doesn't matter what's happening to us and the world is a classic example of what we're going through right now. You can get sucked into the vortex of all the fear, the worry, mm. the upheaval and all of that. Or you can choose not to engage in turning on the television for a start, or you can choose to actually do your own research and really sit with and realize that beautiful line, there's a reason, a season, and a lifetime. I believe there's a reason we're going through this, and I do believe it's a season. It will not last. So do you want to be on the track, one foot in front of the other, put your headphones on and listen to really good, inspiring things, knowing that how you walk in this life, do the best that you can show up for who you are and what you can be. You know, you might have to abide by some rules or if you choose not to abide by those rules, you might have to literally withdraw from the world for a little while, go within for a little while, do your own self-discovery, your own meaning of what it looks like to be with you. And I know that I say that very generally and I say that with love because I know that a lot of people are really struggling from a business or a personal or any of those. So I'm not undermining that and I certainly don't want to judge that. But I do say, why is that? Why are you struggling right now with your business or your life or yourself? Why, Why? Go after that. Go after the inquiry of why not that the government's doing this to me or other people are doing this or it's someone else's fault. You know, if you really yeah, want to be, be a victim, hey, draw a line, you yeah. know, go above the line, be accountable, be responsible, take ownership for how you respond to this. Don't react, act. Mm-hmm. And we all fall below the line where we blame, go into denial and make excuses. We all do that at times. My challenge for me is always I just don't want to stay there for long. And if I am blaming, if I am making excuses, if I am in denial about anything, why am I? Why? What am I trying not to see? What am I needing to see that I'm choosing not to see at the moment? And I'm I'm fascinated by human nature. And at the moment, there's a very big divide happening. You either do or you don't. But my analogy is always this. If this is the the, the stick of um, greater good, greater health, 
then in fact, we're all here. We all, no matter what your beliefs are, we're all a part of the stick. We all want the greater good and great health for everybody. Yeah. Whether you choose to wear a mask or not a mask, vaccinate, not vaccinate, hibernate or, or get out there, protest or not protest, whatever it is, yeah. you got to remember we're all still on the same stick. It's just that to what degree do you want to be on that stick? And then how do you do it? Here's the big challenge to me. How do you do it with grace, no matter mm. which end you're on? How do you do it without judging another person's viewpoint? What if your viewpoint's wrong? Mm -hmm. What if what someone else is saying is 100% true? Or what if what you're saying is 100% true and what someone else is saying isn't? How do you stay in that game rather than getting hooked into and sucked into the vortex of you must or you mustn't? Mm -hmm. And I think that's where I think of Cliffy a lot. You know, it's 90% mental, 10% physical. So how do you stay in the game? This is a mental game at the moment. It's not a Mm. physical game. It's a mental game. How do we stay in the game? And here's my other tip. Every time I put my glasses on, every or if you don't wear glasses, how do we put a lens of love on? Because there's only two emotions really in the world, love and fear. Yes. And every time I feel myself getting drawn into it, which happens, I get frightened or someone else, another law comes in or another rule or my husband's overseas at the moment and is he going to be allowed back in? Like there's lots of things we can worry about, my business, my kids who live away from me and all of that. I can't see my family in New Zealand. I can't see my family in New South Wales. Of course, I don't think I'm any different to anyone else. But when I put a lens of love on, Mm-hmm. I can see them on this. We we do FaceTime. We do when house party came out, all of us were on these calls all the time. I can send my love. I can post beautiful gifts. I, in fact, you know, I just sent my my sister. Um, she hasn't seen it yet. She turns 50 shortly. Now I can't be with her for her 50th. But yeah. what I did is I made up this cube. This it's called note cube. And I wrote 50 quotes about her and put a photo on every one of those quotes. Cubes. Oh, so that now, so, so when she get now, would I have thought about that if I was going to her fiftieth? Maybe not, because I would have been showing up. So and what a gift for the rest of her life for her to to have that to play uh, with. I hope she loves it. I so love it. But yeah, it's that lens of love. How do I turn this situation, which I can't control at the moment, mm. into something that's going to make a difference? That's why I do my podcast. That's why I love talking to women like you. That's why I keep writing books and programs with mentorships. And that's why when you talk to me that day and you said to me, who are you not to do this? Mm. You you better, and you almost kicked me up the ass to do it. Like, I kicked you up the ass with love. And I'm so I, happy that you did because what you've created in this your self-love project is priceless for women, I think. Yeah. Like, I tell, really us, appreciate tell us more about it. Tell me more about, tell everyone, you know, who's listening about that because you have. It, and it don't, don't, like I've seen all this stuff in you and oozing out of you and it was just ready to come out. So thank you for being receptive because I promise I, I say similar things to so many people and they go, yeah, yeah, and they do nothing with it. And then they stay down, but you went, oh, wow, yeah, and I can do this and this and this. I went, yeah, you can. Let's do it. And uh, yeah, and you just said, do it. And I was like, yeah, but how? And you went, just do it. Yeah. And I was like, okay, okay. So I think but you've worked yeah. it all out and you've, you've created something amazing. So tell everyone a bit about what you're doing with your I, self-love project. I think through your encouragement, and remember, we talked about this before COVID. So this was before oh, yeah. COVID. So you were really pushing me. So there's, you know, some people would say, you know, when people say you're lucky, I've never forgotten one of my mentors saying there's no luck. It's when your preparation meets opportunity, that is luck. So be prepared, be prepared for something. And and then when you gently kicked me out the butt and with love, but said, 
you know, who are you not to do this? I, I, I say that all the time that, you know, I call you one of my mentors. One of my mentors said, who are you not to do this? So it's true. Who are you not to share who you are or what you do? But what I wanted was to create a hub around learning the power of self-love because most people, maybe women in particular, if I asked everyone to take their clothes off, stand naked in front of a mirror, I get this reaction in all audiences like, ooh, yuck, no, why? And I'm like, wow, we, we really degrade ourselves. Is that because of social media and the, and the media itself where we see, you know, images that are, you know, hijacked and manipulated and coerced into looking to something? Even I've heard people like Cindy Crawford say, that doesn't look like Cindy Crawford, you know. So if, mm. if a model can't look like a model, then who the hell are we to look like ourselves? So yeah. I think that's been my push from 2000, right, when I started my journey of writing books and about women's health and wellness and self-love has always been probably my own journey and keeping myself accountable. And mm. by me putting myself out there, I have to walk my talk. I can't, I can't tell you to do something and not do it for myself. So you always do. That's something I love about you because there are people who fly the flag and go, "Oh, I'm this and I'm this and this," and they think, "No, you're bloody not." Do, <laughs> but I think you've always said to me, "It's you know, it 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 shows you can't. It, does. it uses out of you. You might you might get away with not being integral to start with, or you might not do something with authenticity." But my God, it shows up. It'll reveal. It it does reveal itself. So, yeah, I created this program, which was just an opportunity for women to come in. And, you know, there's usually four weeks in a year, in a month. So, every week, first week is a QA. So, you get to have me live for a QA. Any question you want, I'll answer it from all of my knowledge and what I'm learning and growing with. And I'll answer those questions. And then sometimes I even do integration work. If someone needs something and I'll do a shift with them or I'll do some of my my, my therapy work, I'll do it as a live in that group. Mm. The second week is a love seat where I interview someone exactly like this and they get to see that person live. It's only for them and that group and that person talks from their space and part and heart about who they are and what they have to offer. And it's just beautiful. And then the third week is a masterclass. That could be me teaching something about oils or values or around um, how to write a book or whatever. And or I'll have a guest in there doing a masterclass, which is unbelievable when we get to learn from others. And then the final week is a champion challenge. So we we cheer on the people that are doing things well, and then we help the people that are having a challenge. And then I also set a challenge for the following month. So this month's challenge is tell your story. So they've got a template in the group and now everyone's writing their story. And because I believe everyone has a story, mm-hmm. I want to share that in our group and then so that we get to know each other more. So it's very personal. And if there's a fifth week in the month, we have a week off or you get to go back and look at some of the other things in the members portal. And, you know, I wanted to do this because I know to have one-on-ones with me is very is way more expensive or more of an investment and not everybody has that available. So this was at a and you've 40... only got such limited amounts. You know, we, we have such limited amount of time that we can do one-on-ones. And that's yeah. why this group setting is so perfect for your people. Yeah. And I wanted to make it accessible and it's $47 a month. And yeah. you know, you get me four times a month with extraordinary guests, amazing classes, people, and constantly showing up, showing up to do the work. And I just freaking love it. There's about 100 women in there at the moment. My goal is to get to 1,000 because I really do believe that that ripples out. If I can help one woman in there realize her own innate wisdom, her own inner resources, her own ability to get through tough times, then her family is going to be happier and her employers or employees are going to be happier. And then that ripples into the community. And 
I don't know, I just think, yeah, I don't have to be the biggest or the best at anything. I just have to keep showing up for my tribe and inviting amazing women like you in there. They get to find out what you do and who you are. And man, I love it. And my podcast, I get to share mm. and like you. It's, I, I don't know, I just love showing showing off the people that I know. I love to showcase them and see what's out there. So if I don't resonate with everybody, you might resonate with someone that I introduce you to or Absolutely. someone that you hear or, you know, if I'm not your person, someone else will be. And probably that's something else I've learned around self-love is realizing I'm not the go-to person for everybody and that's okay. I was just going to say, so sometimes I can say something to someone and you will say exactly the same thing. They need to hear the same thing multiple times, but they also need to hear it from another person. And so when you're working with, you know, like-minded people and, and we, we're very like-minded, but we also have our own life experiences and things that we bring to the table. So we can say the same, deliver the same kind of message and they'll hear it differently and I love that. And that's why it's so important that we, you know, we collaborate together to help each other help more that, you know, yes. we can, what's that saying that you can walk so far in your own shoes, but you can go so much further, you know, I don't or, know. or look at it from an oil's point of view and even from oh, our synergy. love of oils, synergy, yeah. like, you know, synergy. the power Absolutely. of one with one is not two, it's power of nine. It multiplies more and more and more. So Absolutely. I agree. Yeah. There's so much in it. And I love that technology because, um, like, I used to travel the world and and used to pre-pandemic travel and do all my teaching around the world. And the reality is that that's changed, and that's changed for I think still a long way to come. Yes. And so thankful for technology because, and I think, and I remember saying it to her that day, you know, it was pre any of this happening. But I think there could be a woman in the back of Russia or somewhere who never would have seen you face-to-face, but she can find your podcast, she can find your course, and you could have the most amazing impact on her and her community because you got your message out there. And that's why I'm so keen, the same as you are, it's so keen to get people to get them their wisdom out there because we don't know where and how it's going to land and, and what's possible is, is beautiful. It really, I think it's just so amazing. And we couldn't think of that in a world before we had this technology. And even the pandemic. So many yeah. pivoted oh, in this, you know, totally. this, this, this so-called <laughs> big adjustment, you know, we've all had to had go to online and, yeah. and you know what, I've actually, I've really tried to look at all the positives. I've loved being at home more and not getting on a plane and racing around the world and around the country. I've really enjoyed the more quieter and more ability. I can do more by not having to spend so much time traveling. I do miss traveling, certainly miss France and places like that. But, you know, I do believe we'll get back there. It's just a a season and we will get through this. And you might, you might love this. There's a thing called the law of procession. It was Buckminster Fuller who created this analogy and, and I, I really love it. So there is a law called the law of precession where anything at cause has a 90-degree effect. So the, the way the sun rotates and the way the earth axis moves, there's always a 90-degree um, level of effect at another angle or another way of saying it. The, the bee, the bee gets up every morning. Yes. And if I ask audiences or people, you know, what does the bee wake up to do? And most of them will say to go and collect pollen. And and you've got to think about this. Does the bee really wake up and go, hmm, must go cover my legs and pollen? No. The bee actually wakes up each day and goes, got to find nectar, got to bring nectar back to the hive. And so his cause is to go, or his or her cause is to go out and get nectar at a 90-degree angle, at a, an effect, the processional effect. 
is as he or she is doing that, their little legs are collecting all this pollen and then cross-pollinating without the bee. So that we can live. Without the bee, I've heard it. I don't know how true it is, but within four years without the bee, we may not be here. Yeah. And so I always ask the question, you know, what is your law of procession? What is the the thing you're doing? I bet you don't realize that from your podcast, there have been people that have said to me, oh my gosh, I so freaking love her. I now follow her and and I bought her book. Now you may not know that. And that's the 90 degree procession. You don't know that what the, what that one podcast we did, the amount of people it affected, because unless someone tells us, we don't know. But yeah. rest assured, like dropping a stone in a pond, that We're ripple is impact. happening. Yeah. So we might drop the stone, but that impact ripples out. And that's why I say to people, no matter what you're feeling, no matter how challenged you feel, no matter how frightened you feel, no matter what you're thinking, what people are saying, Show up, mm. keep being the best version of you. Try and eliminate the noise, put the Walkman on, listen to talking heads, you know, <laughs> do, do something like that. But or, or focus. Here's the other thing focus on what you do want, not what you don't want. That is a real powerful mindset shift in itself. If you want greater good, greater health, focus. What can I do to be in better health and take better care of me and my family? Not I have to wait for the government to tell me what I need to do. You know, we can keep showing up and being the best that we can be and have a voice if you want to in another in other ways. Yeah, and in, like I said to you, you know, who are you not to? So there might be someone who's listening to this thinking, yeah, that's okay for you, Jen, and yeah, that's okay for you, Kim, and it's okay for you too. Yeah. Like, it's like you said, if you, if you choose to, if you want to have a voice, there is someone somewhere in the world that could really do hearing from you. So, yeah, use your voice, guys. It's uh, guys and girls, whoever it is. It's it's really important. I believe that. I believe we all have a, t- a story to share, and we all have value to give the world. We uh, we don't realize the impact that can be had. So, I was going to ask you, kind of like, what is the you know what I always because my podcast is called Healthy Life Hacks. You know, what's kind of that couple of things you can do that help you to live from prevention from a place of prevention? But you've basically just you've just nailed it in your last little monologue you did for a couple of minutes. So oh. might let people go back and really listen to that. You know? I think I think it's really important to what does good health mean to you and what does preventative care mean to you? And mm. you know, when I really think about that, you know, preventative care is it's kind of an oxymoron, isn't it? It's kind of like a, it's it's like a double-edged sword. It's preventing something that we don't want to have happen. But might using never it, happen, but if we don't do it, it might happen. And that's why the care, uh, which is why I love the idea of self-care and preventative mm-hmm. care and loving care, is actually using that in a powerful way. So focusing again on what we want and you know, I think your knowledge as a naturopath and, and aromatherapist and herbalist and all the things that you do, it reminds us daily that, you know, if there was one power and behind all of this, I truly believe Mother Nature is, is, is the one. She's our silent partner. Look at her for her wisdom, her innate intelligence, her ability to guide us. You know, look at the doctrine of signatures as an example. Uh, yeah, you. Yeah. Your book was my biggest aha around that, that, you know, plants and fruits and vegetables are talking to us. They're trying to tell us all the time what the go is, but we we don't, we live in this logical world and we just won't listen. So many people don't listen to it, but it's there. 
I know it's so powerful and profound. And, and then, yeah, sure, add in the science, add in the, the values. But the one thing I'll say about science and what I'm learning, and, I, and I'm not knocking this, and you could say you're not a scientist, so therefore what would you know? But I truly believe, I wrote a quote down, what you perceive is what you will believe. So mm. if you perceive a certain thing, you will find science to prove that. 100%. And if you believe something else, there is just as much science to prove that. So science, in my humble opinion, is the ability to prove what you believe to be right. Oh, and, nicely said. And when I look at it from that perspective, I then go, which also means it's open to subjectivity and objectivity. It's open to the power of possibility because what has scientifically been proven in the past has also been scientifically proven not to be right in the future. So, you know, don't believe everything. Science and evidence-based research doesn't mean it's the be-all. It's just what we know at this point in time. At this point in time. And everyone is doing their best at this point in time. Hindsight's going to be great. I can't wait to see a few years' time to go, oh, shit, that was it. It's going to be so fun. <laughs> we'll know yeah. so much fun in a few years what was happening now. Well, we don't at the moment. We've just got to do our best. Yeah, and do our best. Be gentle and, and with ourselves in the process. Like come from love for yes. each other. Yes. And keep it simple. Yes. You know, like eat. One foot in front of the other, like Cliffy said. That's and it. Just, eat just foods eat. close to nature. Yes. Support our local organic farmers. Let's look after them. Yeah. Um, let's, you know, move our bodies. Let's earth. All of these things cost little. People say, oh, no, organic food costs a lot. I say BS to that. I mm. say it's costing you a lot not choosing to go for spray-free organic or support the little guys out there. I, I just say you'll find a way. you believe what you perceive. So, um, you know, moving your body, it doesn't cost us anything to go for a walk. Even in lockdowns, we're still able to exercise in our own home. Um, You're still able to use yourself, your power and your ability to move. I watched someone, I didn't watch the whole thing, be like watching a 24-hour race, but I watched someone do a marathon in their room, in their hotel room. They spent hours doing a marathon in their room. I thought, geez, that's bloody gutsy. And wow, that would be a mindset shift, wouldn't it? So So with mindset. It is possible. And that's the thing. Everything, I believe, everything is possible. So I find the science and evidence to support that. And so I only attract all the good shit in my life. (laughs) But but I'm really conscious of, you know, mindset is everything. And I'm so aware of what, and I've never consciously fed my brain as much good stuff as I am nowadays. Through all of my life, through, you know, 30 odd years of doing this kind of thing, I've always listened to podcasts and read books and done all that stuff. And right now, every spare moment I've got something good coming in because I want to stay in that flow. And if like find Kim's podcast, find Kim's podcast, it's called the self-love podcast and it's the self-love podcast. And it's on every cool platform. Find Kim's books. How else can people find you Kim? Because you do, you just put out such good content. Where's the best place place for people to follow you? Well, I, you know, the best thing, you know, this KimMorrison.com. That's pretty easy. KimMorrison.com. You'll see my programs and my education things in there. Um, my books are available on all platforms. And if you're not sick of me now, you can hear it on audible or audio books. Um, you can also follow my beautiful business, 28.com, the word 20 and the number 8.com. Um, that's where I have all my amazing products that I feel so, so proud of and so Stunning, stunning, about. stunning essential oils, guys. If you're into oils, track down Kim's products. They're awesome. Oh, 
You're amazing. Thank you. And it's thanks to women like you that have inspired me to keep sharing that and to keep looking for the best, most organic products that I can. And I just feel very lucky that we, you and I, came through an era um, of time where we grew up with aromatherapy. I feel, you know, back in the 80s when it was so new and now everybody's talking about it. It's like the light has been shown on an industry we've believed in for decades. Decades. Yeah. So, So yeah. I'm proud of us. Uh, I am proud of us too. And if if you'd told me back in the 80s that I'd be doing and where I am today, I never would have believed. I don't, I don't, I couldn't visualize where it was, but it's led me to most the most beautiful doors. And the people I've met along the way has just, it's been the coolest career and journey. And I'm so thankful for it. And I'm so thankful, thankful for you. And thank you so much for your time this morning. Mm-hmm. And there, guys, go back and listen to this again. Because Kim dropped so many pearls in there that um, life is simple. It's only when we stray off away from nature that we we catch ourselves up. And I agree, everything is love or fear. Choose love. Oh, so love you. Thank you so much. And I want to say, I'm going to take the opportunity on your podcast to say you are a gift to us all and the work and the guests and all the things that you offer on there gives so much pleasure and insight and power and education to those of us that really do love your values and you speak your truth. And I I want to thank you for kicking me up the butt, for championing all of us and for also being the greatest example you could be. So right back at you. Love you, lady. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Self Love Podcast. Be sure to write a review and share the love with your friends and family and head over and visit Kim and her team at 28.com. That's the word 20 and the number 8.com. Take good care. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst The Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of The Wellness Couch podcasts.